Knoxville. And welcome to another edition, finally, of Fire in the Mountain, Smoky Mountain Wrestling Review. And we are now up to episodes 11 and 12 after what seems like we've been off uh, about three months. It's computer difficulties and the holidays and sickness and plague, famine, fires, and anything else you could think of has knocked us out of doing this show. But we are back tonight. And Justin Edgel, how have you been doing? Been really good. Hope everybody's holiday was good. Uh, mine, I'm glad it's over. That's all I got to say about that. Glad to be back. And th- these are two good shows to be reviewing because uh, we got a lot to say. Yeah, it's good to get back in the swing of things tonight. Andy Waddell, how are you doing tonight? Doing great over the holidays. Didn't kill no family members. We're ready to rock and roll. Absolutely. So tonight... We are going to recap a couple of episodes here, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, episodes number 11 and 12. And on episodes, we start right off the bat. Bob Cottle is asking Dutch Mantel, where in the world has Mr. Carl Stiles been? And uh, Carl Stiles has been inconspicuous by his absence the last couple of episodes. He's standing over the shoulder of Mantel, though, in his red T-shirt. Looking a little like he's been deflated a little bit, and we'll talk about that later. Um, Carl's lost a little bit of weight. Uh, I guess he's had a little bit of sickness over the past uh, few episodes or so. But Dutch plays it off. He don't want to talk about styles, and and that's going to be kind of a recurring theme here as we go through these uh, next couple episodes. So he goes straight into the first match, and it's Ben Jordan against Hollywood Holly. And... Uh, there's a possible fan sighting of the week on this uh, on this very first right out of the bat. We'll we'll see later. Jordan, he's got this checkered flag look to his tights. I believe that's probably what gave Holly the inspiration for his uh, spark plug gimmick in the WWE. And uh, pretty nothing match. I mean, Ben Jordan's a jobber. Holly wins. It's about a four minute nap match. He got the uh, knee drop from the top rope. I like Holly's character. In Smoky Mountain Wrestling, um, Cornette's really pushing him hard, trying to establish him as a, a top-flight heel. And uh, I like the drop kick off the top rope better than the knee drop, though. Uh, I know there's not a lot to this match. Andy, what did uh, what are you making of Bob Holly as we're still early in the Smoky Mountain run? I'm, I'm liking his character, but I just can't figure out why he keeps taking off his top to do a leg drop. You know, when you see him take off the top, you're expecting an elbow or something like that. But you know, I'm, I'm partial to the drop kick myself. I think he needs to change that for his finisher and maybe we'll see more of that, you know, coming up later. Uh, Justin, uh, what, what about Holly? Uh, you, you're, are you still on the Holly bandwagon or is he getting a little, yeah, uh, he's he's all right. He, he's getting a little old, in my opinion. But the, this is another squash match in the beginning of the you know of the show, which is fine. That, that happens every once in a while. But my most the thing I was most excited about was Mark Curtis coming back. Well, I'm not I'm not saying he come, coming back, but I guess his first his appearance, I guess, before WCW. I know he's in WCW later in his career. And he had the worst suspenders I've ever seen in my life. The, the, but, the you know, that's kind of like, it fits him. So Oh, yeah. It's good. I mean, Mark Curtis, just one of the unsung hero referees of all time. 
it, most people don't pay too much attention to referees. Um, if you watch Mark Curtis, you can tell that the guy really liked wrestling and he was into it. When the guys took a slam, he would kind of bounce up and down with the slam with them, right. or he would wince when something bad. I mean, the, he was into the match and he didn't take away from it, but you could tell the guy genuinely. He stood he, out. He stood out for sure. And he enjoyed doing it the job. I mean, he really, sure. really liked uh, doing that job. So uh, we're out of that match. Not much else really to uh, to say there. And we go straight into the desk interview with the Koloffs. They're back. And Good God. They, they've paid their fine to Smoky Mountain. And, uh, God, I put my, my note says Vladimir just, he has no idea how to look menacing at all. He stands there and he, he basically looks like he's trying to pass a kidney stone. Uh, for the better part of 45 seconds while Ivan talks in broken Canadian, <laughs> Canadian <laughs> English. So not, uh, uh, yeah. And, and Justin, yeah, he, he does look like he's trying to, it looks like he's trying to pass a turd. Jared, or, or a, a a turd your foot long turd. That's exactly what he looks like. like I didn't know if a foot long, I didn't know if a foot long was going in or coming out, but it was completely distracting from the whole interview. <laughs> well, if we had uh, our buddy Carl Stiles in, then no, ever, never mind. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we're back to the desk with Armstrong, and now he's um he's pimping the volunteer slam, which has been reset for May the twenty second, and uh the, he he's spilling on about some nonsense about Japan wanted to attend the tournament, so they've rescheduled it and. Uh, well, you've got to remember, this is East Tennessee in the 90s. We all thought that, you know, the Japanese were small people, so he probably did think the whole country could make it. <laughs> you, that's a possibility. Um, they're talking about, he Armstrong discusses that the uh, tag titles will also be determined at the Volunteer Slam. Then he talks about the pile driver for a second and why it's not legal. He, he basically tells Orndorff to go jump off a bridge. Mm, jackass. See, th this is the one thing where Justin hasn't watched um, Armstrong for years and has the affinity with Bob coming into Smoky Mountain, which, because I can see where you're coming from, Justin. If you're watching this without any prior knowledge, Armstrong kind of comes across as a, a little bit of a dickhead, honestly. You're right about that, but if you know his past... And just the way Bob Armstrong is, it makes more sense in, in the context. They, he, he's supposed to come across as the, you know, the, the baby face commissioner that just doesn't. Yeah, like the Jack Tunney of uh, the WWE in the early 90s, something like that. Is, that. is that what you mean? You broke a little part of my soul off when you compared Bob Armstrong to Jack Tunney. Well, I mean, I'm just... You know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. That. No, yeah, yes, absolutely. I know what you're talking That's about. That's it. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it's so, all over. But uh, <laughs> so, but basically, this was just to uh, pimp up the volunteer slam a little bit and sure go over the tournament and uh, and basically to start the storyline of the week and of Smoky Mountain so far with Orndorff. So now we go to another creepy Smoky Mountain in your town promo with the baby faces, and it's Tim Horner, Brian Lee, and the Fantastics. Yeah, and Jackie and Jared Fulton. Jackie Fulton, once again, gets his 
gets his line in that he just can't wait to be in Chattanooga to hug all the pretty young ladies. I, whether they want to or not. Yes, whether. Uh, Did any even like try to like dress up a little bit and try to woo him a little more? He's the biggest creep freaking show in this promotion. There's no doubt about that. I'm sure Jackie Fulton watches this in 2016 and says, "Uh, I was what was, what was I doing? <laughs> this this looks. How bad. did I not end up in jail? Yeah, I mean that's that's his biggest biggest win he ever had." <laughs> I mean, things in East Tennessee is a lot looser, or at least it was in 1992. So we'll just leave that at that. Match number two, Danny, ask Jerry Lawler. Sure. Ask Jerry Lawler about Tennessee and young women. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll, yeah. I'll digress. Match number two on this card, uh, Danny Davis and Joey Maggs against the Koloffs. It's a tag team tournament. Uh, tag team tournament match. The, the announcers put over the speed versus the power. And uh, I, I don't really think that Joey Maggs or Danny Davis are particularly speedy at this point in either one of them's career. I don't, I don't think Joey Maggs was ever speedy. And however he got the damn nickname, Jumping Joey Maggs, is, is beyond me because the boy, he I can jump higher and I'm I'm going about 350. So, uh, and I'm quite a bit older than Maggs is at this time. <laughs> But I, every time I see that guy, though, I'm waiting on the chips theme to come on and him and that blonde-headed cop pull up. Uh, he he reminds me of Poncherella so much, I just can't get it out of my head. That would have actually probably been a good gimmick for Mr. Mags, as he didn't have much of a personality. And uh, quick note, Vladimir Koloff has got more body hair than anybody outside of Miguel Perez Jr., uh, the fans of the week from the last episode make an appearance here. The guy, look, he's still mad, and the girl still looks like she wants to murder him. So they're, they'll make an appearance on this match. Sure, she's scared to death of him uh, she, e- either way. She's she's thinking about leaving him for Jackie Fulton. That's that's the, that's her next one. Oh, well, <laughs> she might be too old. She's, too old. She's, she's, she's way too old. Come yeah. on. Yeah, I mean, she, she's got to be at least 23. Yeah. So. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so they the this match though, I mean it is a it is a good back and forth match. They have Mags play the face in peril, but and the Koloffs not with real good offense, but I mean they're telling a story that they're the powerful team and they're gonna beat down the the underdog team. And uh one of the, probably the line of the night, Danny Davis with the drop kick and and Justin, what does he do? He exp- he explodes right on uh, right on his chin. Yes, he explodes <laughs> right on the chin of Ivan Koloff. No, it's oh. the worst line I've ever heard. I, I don't know how it, Dutch Mantel didn't just lose his shit when when Bob Cottle said that. Oh, Cottle says all kind of. He always says explodes. I mean, I don't know what. Yeah. Hmm. No, I mean I really like Cottle, but he does. He goes to that line quite often. Creepy old man. So um, there, there's going to be a clip that I will put up on the place to uh, the pro wrestling only of Koloff. It's a screenshot, and it looks like it really looks like he's kissing Mags right on the face. But I, he's trying to bite him, but he he basically looks like he's kissing him. Well, that's why Davis exploded on him. You don't mess with the brother man's partner. That's that's it. The Fantastics are at ringside. They get down to ringside. They distract the Koloffs. Vladimir Buck, he smashes himself into the buckle and hits himself with a chain. 
which lets Danny Davis uh, gets the pin. So the uh, underdogs upset the Koloffs in the uh, in the tournament here. So Andy, what do you think? What uh, what about the underdog scrappy team beating the Koloffs? Uh, I, I think this match was just a, it was a scrapper other than the commentary on it. The commentary made it worth watching. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, it wasn't a bad match, but it it definitely uh, it it was awkward. Well, well, it was like you said earlier when the guy tries to do when Jumpin' Joy Mags tries to do a leapfrog and he falls out the ring and everybody's standing there like, uh, oh crap, uh, you know. Oh, I forgot to mention that spot. Yes, during yeah. the match, please. Please watch Max try to do a leapfrog and crotch himself and go flying out of the ring off of it, which was definitely completely uh, that was uh, that was not in the script. No, because everybody was just wait, wait a minute. Uh, yeah, woo, you know. All right, so uh, Justin, any more thoughts to this uh, to this before we put it to bed? Yeah, not not much. I mean, it, it provided a lot of content for sure. I mean, you know, with the commentary, the freakery going on in the ring, uh, and then of course the explosion on the chin comment, you know, that made that almost made the match. So yeah, if, you know, if, about if, it. If nothing else, when you watch these Smoky Mountain episodes, you will take something out of every match, good, bad, or ugly, and there's always entertainment to be found. So there was definite entertainment in this match whether it was actually part of the match or not. So uh, we're back at the desk now, and there's a recap of the Dirty White Boy and Brian Lee feud. And now we go to Ron Wright, and he he's wearing a shirt that's that's definitely in the running for the fashion statement of the week. Um, it looks like, I can't explain, I'll just, we'll have to post a picture, but it looks like he's wearing linoleum that my aunt had in her house in 1986. That that basically sums up the shirt that uh, that Ron Wright's wearing, and Dirty White Boy. Uh, it's it's just trying to prolong the start up the feud here with Dirty White Boy and Brian Lee, and they kind of recap what happened last week. Ron Wright's mad. He's an old man. They're taking advantage of him. Same old story, but now. <clears throat> More importantly, we go to the desk once again with the wild card candidates, and we kick off the best angle in early Smoky Mountain. Dixie Dynamite, Hector Guerrero, and Paul Orndorfer at the desk. And Hector and Dixie Dynamite are just happy to be in the tournament. And Paul Orndorf, he stands there and, and he said that, you know, I'm tired of this goo goo and blah blah about being happy, he's, he was insulted that he's a wild card. He said he's beat everybody that's anybody in wrestling. And um, he basically calls out Hector Guerrero and Dixie Dynamite and says that he could he weighs more than both of them combined and he could beat both of them. And Guerrero takes offense to it, so we, we have a match off of that. But <laughs> wonder, I mean, Orndorff in this, just this one segment, he goes from complete baby face to I want somebody to kill him, heal. I mean, the yeah. p- people in the audience flipped on him that quick, and that's just because Orndorff's really that good. Yes. He, he's finally he's finally the Mr. Wonderful I always remember him being, the, the badass heel that, that he always was in, like, WrestleMania 1 or 2. You know, it's – I'm loving it. 
Yeah, so we go in, and they both walk into the ring. Orndorff grabs the house mic. He asks Hector if he knows what a Reba means. And <laughs> he, said, he said, it means swim a little faster. The border guards are coming. Olay! And, you know, that's something that uh, for 1992 is perfectly acceptable. Yeah, You're yeah, not going to get away with that today. <laughs> no way in hell. But it was great. I mean, Hector was pissed and the fans were actually pissed for Hector. So, and he did that stupid ass roll right after. I like the roll, the front roll. I I actually I don't know what made me think of it, but I was watching him do the front rolls, and I said, "He looks like Sonic the Hedgehog. If he just rolled a little faster, he kind of look. If he if he just put a little blue costume on and done that roll around. I mean, nineteen ninety two Sonic the Hedgehog. That was know, the biggest thing going. Excuse me. Hector Guerrero is already Lasertron and the damn gobbledygooker. I mean. At this point in his career, the trajectory of being Sonic the Hedgehog would have actually been a step up. Yeah, he could always be going for that brass ring. <laughs> he always could. Yeah, I mean, they can make a big, good call. So, yeah, this was a good match. I mean, a very, very good match. Orndorff perfectly healing it up. Hector, he's putting on a really good show. Um the match ends with Hector when he does a cris- uh, cross body from the top rope. Orndorff rolls through and he gets the pin. And here's a little uh-oh, because Bob Cottle is just adamant that Orndorff pulled the tights. And when you look at the replay, Orndorff, he maybe was supposed to pull the tights, but he clearly didn't, so it was a clean pin. Then Guerrero's arguing after the match for some unknown reason because he didn't pull the tights. But, I mean, they're having to set up this angle because... Uh, Orndorff hits him with a drop kick that just looks like it could have killed him, and you don't—you're not really expecting to see that from Orndorff. And uh, he picks up Guerrero and drops him on his head. Ben Jordan comes out; he gets a pile driver. Reno Riggins comes out; he gets a pile driver. Joey Mags comes out; and he gets a pile driver. Orndorff just—he laid everybody out. It was definitely the biggest badass moment in Smoky Mountain so far. And Justin, you. When you, in your show notes, you hit it perfectly. What do you compare that? What did you compare that to? Yeah, uh, it, it was. It looks exactly like when Stone Cold was stunning everybody back in the late, or, you know, mid to late nineties. He he laid everybody out in the middle of the ring, stunning stunning everybody, snapping necks. It, it, it was by far my favorite moment uh, so far. You know, in ten plus episodes, I guess, of Smoky Mountain and. It cracked me up. I mean, I was rolling. Oh yeah, I mean, Orndorff. Yeah, 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 he was just laying everybody out, and it it, it was like some from the late nineties, I guess. So, uh, I mean, Looks like Jonestown, Jonestown out there. <laughs> I mean, if you're wanting to establish the biggest hill character in the territory, you just have him lay everybody out, and right. Orndorff did it. I mean, he he, it was perfect. Andy, what did you think of the segment? I. I just pictured Oprah Winfrey coming in the ring. You get a pile driver. You get a pile driver. We all get a pile driver. Woo! Oh, yeah. The uh, the pile driver giveaway. So. An Oprah reference, huh? Hey, uh, what I can wish, I say? I wish you know, Paul Orndorff. That, at, in 1992, Paul Orndorff pile driving Oprah would have been gold. Oh, yeah. Sure. I mean, I, I would take him pile driving her right now. That would still work. But. Yep. But like I just said, this is this is by far the best segment 
match, whatever you want to call it. It's the best five minutes in the of the series so far. It was just awesome. Yeah, the dude just pulls it off perfectly. Yeah. Orndorff, that is. And some guys are made to be babyface. I mean, you could never, or it would have been really, really hard to make Ricky Steamboat a believable heel in wrestling. There's just some guys that are not bad guys. He was too much and then there are some guys, then there are some guys that are not good guys. And Paul Orndorff, if he would have come along 10, 15 years later, he could have pulled off a character like Steve Austin, where he would have got over by proxy, just being a badass. He would have got over as a good guy. Yep. Not, not like a baby face, but as an anti-hero. Or something like that, but I mean, for that era, Paul Orndorff, like what, like the, what Austin did, was an anti-hero kind of character. And, and oh, you mean Paul? Or- yes, and Paul Orndorff was a perfect um, heel. Uh, it, it's just there's some guys that you look at; they have that body, they have that smirk, they have that attitude that just makes you not really like them. And Paul Orndorff has those qualities. He's he's kind of like he remind. I mean. Orndorff's a better worker, and well, there's a debate. But Lex debate Luger, yeah. Lex Luger, he reminds me a lot of Lex Luger. Uh, Luger was almost like a, a newer version of Paul Orndorff. When, well, Luger was a heinous worker, as far as I, I disagree. I actually think Luger is underrated for what he what he done uh, in the late eighties. Luger was really, really good. Oh, the ladies. Okay. Early 90s. I mean, by the time he went to the WWF and had that run and then comes back to WCW. Narcissist, all that bullshit. Yeah. I mean, then he comes back to WCW and he had some good matches, but I mean, his late 80s stuff, he he was up there. But anyway, this is a Smoky Mountain show, so we will go on to the... Lex Luger was never in Smoky Mountain. So next, Crap. what happened, Andy? Oh no, let's move on to the next match because that's where I got to put in my Lex Luger reference. So, oh, okay, Lex Luther? No, no Lex Luger. Both oh. of them. I'm getting. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> oh yeah. So the main event is up next, and finally, after weeks of vignettes where the Cornette cannot debut his team because they they always have some issue. Well, by God, he debuts them this week. It's the Batten Twins against the Heavenly Bodies. So they come out to Frankenstein by the Edgar Winter Group. Just totally cool heels. And Dr. Tom Pritchard, is when he was in Continental, even though he was a bad guy, I watched him a lot then and um, was really a big fan of Tom Pritchard. And I was stoked to see that he was Stan Lane's partner which they had already kind of let the cat out of the bag early in these Smoky Mountain episodes when we talked about this, where they were advertising live shows with Stan Lane. So you knew that he was going to be in the territory. So it was only natural that he would be one of the one of the two uh, heavenly bodies. So they come out. They, the, they've... I went... And during the match, I, I made a note that they looked pretty good with... Some of their double team moves to have never really worked with each other before. And I was also really, really surprised at how into the Battens that the fans were. I mean, they were always okay. I mean, I remember watching them in um, 
Central States and a little bit in the NWA, but I mean, they never really blew me away. It was, it wasn't favorites of mine, but the, the fans, they took to them on this, uh, taping, but, um, it was a good must, match. Must have been the foreigner music, I guess. <laughs> the, the, the double vision. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what, what's the deal with, uh, Smoky Mountain? Keep on using that. There was somebody else that had a, foreigner music uh music it's it's funny now that we can look back where they just blatantly used anybody's music they wanted to with no no repercussions and now you can't you have to do any everything has to be original or you get sued and all that crap Mm, yeah but but um i thought it, it was a really really fun match if nothing else and the the heavenly bodies they put on a good show for their first match, get the win. Uh, not a lot to say. Um, it was a good back-and-forth match, but the you knew that the focus is going to be that the Heavenly Bodies is going to be the team to beat in the tournament, so it wasn't a surprise that they beat the Battens. Andy no, was, not, Andy no was, not at all. I mean, I, I think it was, you know, they, they, you know, they looked pretty good. Worked well together. They just look like a bunch of porn stars. I think that was the idea of it, though. Anyway, at least the music, too. Yeah, I mean, they're they're trying to make the Heavenly Bodies in that mold, obviously. I mean, they had showed the clip, I guess it was one of the previous two episodes, of the hotel room with the girls throwing right. their, their panties yeah. out at Cornette. So, I mean, you know that that's where they're going with this, that the bodies are the... The bodies. So, they, uh, Andy, what did you think of the match? Like I say, it was a great, it was a good match, you know, to set them up as the main heel team. Uh, I, I too was surprised by the, the response the twins got, but, you know, it, it, like I say, this is East Tennessee, you know, we like a freak show and two dudes that look identical. That's, that's pretty well a freak show for us. <laughs> I guess it doesn't take much to amuse us, but no, sir. The the Batten twins, they're good workers. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the work. It just you knew they wasn't going to beat the Heavenly Bodies, and maybe they could have. I don't know. Maybe they could have fought somebody else their first match for a little more impact. But it was a good match for what it was, and and we close out this show with with the Heavenly Bodies an interview at the desk. They got a lot of hill heat, and man, I just. I had to make a note that I I guess the younger me never realized how much Dr. Tom Pritchard absolutely imitated Roddy Piper. I mean, he was he really, really ripped off Piper or paid homage to Piper, whatever you want to call it. He he was he really, really tried hard to uh to duplicate what Roddy Piper done with his mannerisms, the way, even the way he talked. And I, I, I guess I wasn't aware of that when I was younger. So that kind of surprised me. <clears throat> yeah, he was, he was dead freaking on it, at least his voice. And, uh, it, it had to be what well, hell Piper was still obviously wrestling at, at that point. It was 1992 or three, yeah, whatever this was. And, and it, I mean, he, he was, I I didn't I didn't realize it either until you said something to me about it, but man, dead on. 
Yeah, I, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. But I mean, Pritchard has his own style. It just, but sure. At the end of the day, the way he was, his mannerisms, the way he talked, the way he, the thing he done with his hair, uh, it was popper. He, he yeah, it's, it's, it's his voice was the, the main thing to me. Yeah, I mean, and I, it's been, it was it, dead freaking on. He was he was dead on popper. Um. After you mentioned that, that's when I noticed that, you know, he's acting like Piper. And if you watch Lane over there, he reminds you of Lex Luger with the poses and how he was flexing. And he just looked like a poor man's Lex Luger. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Stan Lane. I, I don't think he was on enough supplementation to be a, to be a, a real man's Lex Luger. Yeah. I, I don't know if he was missing the vitamins or wasn't saying his prayers, but one of them wasn't working. One of them was not working. Okay, so we're done with episode number 11 here. And um, pretty strong episode, I thought. We bounced back after we've had some ups and downs the last few weeks. But I thought episode 11 overall was a strong episode. Justin, uh, just quick thoughts on 11. Yeah, very good. Uh, Strong bounce back from the last couple episodes we saw. And... uh, Looking forward to what they do with the uh, Dirty White Boy and Orndorff. I mean, yeah, they they had the best angle they've had in Smoky Mountain on this episode. So absolutely, you can't fault that. no doubt. You, you watch anything, go back and watch Orndorff just snapping necks in this episode. And <laughs> there you go. Exactly. The interview in his interview is gold. I mean, the way he turned it around from just being there with the other two good guys to getting a little mad, to going completely off the deep end. I mean, he went, and he, he done a 180. So. And, and he even has a better one coming up, so oh. we'll talk oh, about yeah. that in a second. Andy, uh, what would you think of 11? It, it, it definitely did a better job of fleshing out the feuds and everything. The only thing I can say is, for the love of God, they needed to give Brian Lee a manager so he didn't have to talk. But, you know, other than that, you can't, you can't really say much bad about that episode. Did he? Did he notice I didn't mention that bastard's name this whole episode? <laughs> he's he's uh, Justin is on a Brian Lee strike is for at least the moment. So we'll we'll see how long that holds up. So that is it for episode eleven. We'll be back uh, momentarily to discuss episode number twelve. You're listening to Fire in the Mountains, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Yeah, and welcome back to Fire in the Mountain, Smoky Mountain Wrestling episode number 12 coming up now, and we're going to kick it right off the bat as we got Rip Rogers in the ring, oh yeah, against, oh shit, Robert Gibson. So, you come out and you're all pumped up because Rip Rogers is going to fight, and then you see that he's fighting poor old Robert Gibson. So, but, but, you watch this match, and... He made he made Gibson actually work. Gibson worked a pretty quick pace in the match, and it was a really good match. I've come to the conclusion that Rip Rogers can make a doorknob look good if he wants to, because Rip Rogers is awesome. Because he's the best freaking worker they have, besides 
Maybe Orndorff, I guess. No, I mean, Rogers is just a good character all around. And I've got a note, 90 seconds into the match, his knee pads are already down to his ankles. The, the man, <laughs> he, he had lost some weight or something. He needs new knee pads desperately because he cannot keep his knee pads up. Oh, I, I don't – maybe he was – Well, Cotto was uh, making some – he he was commenting on how 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 ripped he was or something like that. There there might be something a little suspect about Bob Cottle. I'm uh, just saying. Rip Rogers. Uh, if you go back and look at some older pictures, the man he got he was in awesome shape in the late seventies. He was a bodybuilder. So yeah, Cottle was always making some weird comments though. Yeah, it's it's exploding and physique of never mind. So Rogers in the match, he, there's there's a point in the match where he does a crisscross, uh, running the ropes, and instead of just running the ropes, he high steps, which is fu- which is really funny. I mean, Ro- he 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 just it's these little subtle so things funny. that he does. He 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 does these subtle things that nobody else does, which really makes him stand out. And he almost gets a pin with the DDT, and he he celebrates like he had just won the gold. And then you are, he's arguing with the referee when the referee tells him that he didn't get the pin. And he, you can hear him actually scream at Curtis, he shouldn't have kicked out of that. <laughs> so Gibson then comes up from behind him, sneaky bastard, and nails a bulldog. And uh, he, he pins poor Rip. So, But fun match. I wasn't excited when I saw that he was fighting Robert Gibson. Turned it into a good match, and it's mostly just because Rogers is such a good character. But he, uh, Gibson, he pulled a good match out of Robert Gibson here. The sun shines on the dog's ass every once in a while. Don't get me wrong. I am one of the biggest Rock and Roll Express fans you will ever meet. But Gibson as a singles wrestler just didn't do it for me. I, I, I don't know why. I mean, he just didn't have the right charisma without Ricky Morton there with him. It, it, it just didn't. It felt off. Yeah, it did. It really did. But... But thank God, you know that Morton is coming, and eventually we're going to have the Rock and Roll Express back in their true form. Thankfully, uh, around the corner. And in honor of that, I will have bandanas tied around my kneecaps. Well, that's maybe what Rip Rogers needs to do: is just tie bandanas <laughs> around his kneecaps. Yeah, to help keep the knee pads keep up. the knee pads up. Uh, Justin, uh, I know that you you love Rogers like we do. Uh, was you surprised that he was able to pull a good match out of Gibson? Yeah, somehow he did. You know, he he could have made anybody in the WWE look good, even Cena. And uh, you know, it's it's I, I it still sucks to me that he's he's so underrated. It still sucks to me that he's buried in this. Even in the, even in this promotion, which makes no sense to me, but uh. yeah, I mean he's just, oh, well. he's a good hand that never he never quite got what exactly what he needs. But um, if you want to see, I, some I, really, I might have to ask him some sometime about that. Yeah, if you really want to see some cool Rip Rogers stuff too, just look it up on YouTube. His his stuff in Continental, uh, I guess it was eighty six, eighty seven. Uh, he had a feud with Exotic Adrian Street, who's also one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. 
and their feud was just off the charts good, uh, both of them. So, Rip Rogers, one of the underrated guys in, in wrestling. So we he come, really is. So we were the graphic comes out as Justin points out. It previews last week's tragic incident. <laughs> oh, it was funny. How was that tragic? No, I mean it's funny. Yeah, it, it, it re- everybody laid out. So it, it's a recap of the Orndorff uh, pile driver. Like Jonesboro or whatever. Jones- Jim, Jonestown. Jim, Jamestown. Jim Jim Jones. Uh, Jamestown, yeah, whatever the hell it's called. Yeah. Jonestown. Uh, yeah. All those people that drink that purple Kool-Aid. Yeah, that one. No. Guyana. The Guyana tragedy. Yeah, that one. Okay, so Orndorff, uh, we get an interview with Hector Guerrero out of this, and He's got a neck brace on, and he he says that he's never going to forget what Orndorf did to him. He had a family to feed, and he said, "Don't forget that it." He doesn't forget easy when he comes back. He's coming for him. So, good. I mean, the English language is not Hector's first, as you can definitely tell. But he conveys the point that he's hurt and he's pissed off. That's all he needed to do. So we were out of that. And uh, we are with Orndorff now, who has the interview. Oh, do you want to say something, Justin? Yeah, where's Eddie? Where's Eddie at? Yeah, uh, he he was still uh, he still wasn't quite to the big leagues yet. Hey, I think he was. I mean, he was he was definitely wrestling, but um, not not there yet. Orndorff comes out. Um, he laughs when Cottle says that he seriously injured Guerrero. I mean, how big of a dick do you have to be? He's like, you seriously injured this man, and he laughs. Like, I don't care. He's just selling it, just like a man. And uh, Armstrong comes out. He's disgusted. He said, no way that the pile driver is going to be legalized. And Armstrong finds him $2,500. Or Orndorff. What a what a fucking asshole. <laughs> so Orndorff is fine $2500 and he just plays it off. He he laughs at him and he says, "You know good and well that I make $2500 a minute." And he just walks off. He he made Armstrong look like his bitch in this segment, which is what Orndorff really needed to do. I mean, he's trying to establish himself as the top guy. So when you spit right in the face of the commissioner, it was like, it, no sell it. It was a, uh, it's a good good way for Orndorff to get over. So we go into the match. Uh, Orndorff's having a match now, uh, match number two of the night, against Davey Rich and the fans with their infamous Paula chant is Orndorff, and he 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 sells it real good. He hates the Paula chant. Um. It's uh, pretty – I mean, it, it is what it is. Davey Rich is just a punching bag for Orndorff in this match, but he's a good worker. And Orndorff killed him with the clothesline. Holy crap. That was a – he didn't need to use a pile driver if he could hit clotheslines like that every time. But props to Davey Rich for the way he sold that clothesline because he made it look like he killed him. I was definitely happy about that. JBL would have been proud. Yeah, JBL probably learned that from Paul Orndorff in this match. That was a, that was a Stan Hansen worthy clothesline right there. So we're out of this match. Stan not, Hansen. Not much to say, really. Orndorff just going over like a steamroller, and we get an interview with Ron Wright, 
And he says that the dirty white boy is going to win it all at the volunteer slam. And he's wanting to get out of the wheelchair. Uh, <laughs> and there is apparently a, a fan sighting that just caught Justin's attention. And that's what, <laughs> yeah. I've got, I'll have to go back and rewatch, but you, you said that it looks like granny is doing a line of cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> She's either doing a line of coke, or she's just trying to suffocate herself to death. <laughs> no, you know I mean, no, I could explain this to you, Justin. This is a southern thing. Sweet southern grandmas, if they fart, they will cover their face so you don't see them laughing. And that's what she was <laughs> doing. That what it was? She had farted and did not want everyone around her to know it was her, so she was covering her face while she laughed. <laughs> Damn. I'm kind of disappointed. I figured she was just praying for Davy Rich. Uh, <laughs> I hope that young man ain't dead. She, so there's one of three options. She farted, she's doing a lot of cocaine, or she's praying. That's three totally th- different things. That can or she's trying on. to off herself and suffocate herself. That's what I thought it was. So anyway. one, one, of, one of these options, uh, just take a look at the video and see what you think. Uh, back onto the desk with an interview with the Heavenly Bodies. Uh, then there's a Davis and Mags pre-tape talking about the match next week. And uh, here we go. Really good job. Joey Mags is selling the neck from the Orndorff pile driver. He's grabbing his neck, kind of twisting it around. My God, it's continuity. What do you know? We don't. We don't have that much in today's wrestling. You could. You could get thrown off of the top of Kemper arena and just walk out like it's nothing. Just yes. Owen Hart. Yes, he did. Uh, actually, I was, I was actually going with the uh, giant when Hulk Hogan threw him off at the uh, Halloween havoc. Maybe that wasn't, maybe, maybe I had it confused with Owen. I wasn't actually trying to make an, an Owen joke because God knows Booker T will do that enough of that for us without us having to make Owen Hart jokes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but just in in modern day wrestling, you don't have any yeah. continuity. You don't have anybody selling injuries from the previous I week. Can't. I mean, my God, in nineteen ninety eight, I think Diamond Dallas Page had broken ribs for at least two years that he sold from from well, one beatdown. Well, like you say, now the wrestling they've got going on now, they won't even sell an injury through the same match let alone, you know, two and three weeks down the road and making it believable. I mean, you, you could pretend to break somebody's arm off and five seconds later they're hitting you with a punch. Yeah, it, with the same arm. and not yeah, even the same arm. Right. Yeah, and that's just one of those things that drives me crazy in modern re- – it, it don't happen all all the time, but they just – they don't sell it correctly. And one of the best sell jobs I can ever remember – and I know that it's the guy that we're not supposed to talk about, but at WrestleMania the one year when it was a ladder match, one of the Money in the Bank matches, Chris Benoit had had his shoulder messed up and his arm messed up in the match, and he sold it the entire match. He sold it when he was climbing the ladder, the pain in his face, trying to pull himself up. Just guys don't get it anymore. But uh, it, just, it's something that's lost in translation. And at least Joey Mags was selling the damn neck. I was happy to see that. So, anyway, back to the heavenly bodies at the desk. Cornette calls Davis a he calls him a munchkin. Stan Lane, 
Owen did die in Camper Arena. It was Camper. Okay, so I, I was, I, I didn't mean. I actually didn't mean to make that joke. I was, I was going for the giant, but uh, that happened at maybe Joe Lewis. I, I can't remember. Anyway, Stan Lane, he's worried about being sexually assaulted by corn-fed women. That's, that's, he wasn't worried about the match or anybody else. He Hey, it ain't that bad. Don't knock it till you try it. Being sexually assaulted by corn-fed women? Yes, sir. That is correct. Okay. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> it was a, it was a good, that was a good promo, and I'm not touching, touching that. So... He he, he kind of reminds me of Rick Rude a little bit, uh, like I said in my notes here. Uh, Stan Lane? It, yeah, in, a, in yeah. a sense. He's got that vibe. I mean, yeah. Stan, Stan Lane's the only guy uh, in there in, um, that has was trained by Ric Flair, or at least proclaimed to be the only guy trained by Ric Flair. I mean, Ric Flair found him and uh, brought him into wrestling because – he was a good-looking guy that looked like he could he could go. So, yeah, same mold as Rick Rude, just uh, that kind of vibe that he gives off. Sure. So we go into match number three, and it is Reno Riggins against, oh, yeah, it's my favorite, Budro, the nature boy, Buddy Landell. All right. Too sexy for my Yeah, it's coming out to, to oh, right. right said Fred. So he I love it. He first thing, I mean, right out of the gate, he pushes Mark Curtis out of the way as he's being introed so he can bask in his own glory. Uh, that's the way Buddy Landell was. He he had a presence about him like no other. And Buddy Landell just he just flat out freaking rules. He does a flare flop early in the match, and I, I said that he does a flare flop better than Ric Flair, and I believe Justin's taking me to task on this. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 was, it was pretty close to him, but I, I, I have to ask. I mean, what, what, is, what is it about him and Flair? I mean, there had to be some kind of uh, feud or something. Well, they, it was just an, I mean, Ric Flair was Buddy Landell's, one of his favorite wrestlers. And, you know, Ric Flair, the Nature Boy gimmick, he got that from the Nature Boy Buddy Rogers. So yeah, it's only right. natural to have another Nature Boy come along eventually. And Landell looked a lot like Flair, so that's, they just went with it. And uh, depending on who you believe, Landell is supposed to beat Ric Flair for the NWA title in uh, 80. Oh, Five eighty six. Okay. They was gonna have a feud, and Buddy being Buddy, he uh, he he messed that one up. So, but I, Buddy Landell, he's he's awesome. There's a point in the match here where he waves it for the camera. He he yeah, he makes he the did. cameraman pan watch, in. Watch this. Yeah, look at this. So he's got him in an arm bar, and he fl- he's fluffing his hair as he's got Reno Riggins in an arm bar. <laughs> Just total control of the match. Total control of the audience. Everybody hates Buddy Lindell, but he's one of those guys where if you're watching wrestling and you know, well, that guy's an asshole, but this guy is an asshole, but he's cool. I'd like to be like this guy. That That's Buddy Lindell. He's got that persona that just speaks to you. And you, you need to know this. This is, this is what we like about Rogers and Orndolph and Landale. 
they all interact with the audience and make the audience get into the match whether they really want to or not, whether it's a good opponent or not. You know, they, they get that interaction going and you either want to hate them, kill them, love them, want to be them. You know, they, they make the audience get up and cheer and that's the best thing a wrestler can do. Yep, they, they get reaction. Yeah. Imagine that, trying to get a, rea- a rise out of the yeah, crowd. Yeah, that, 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 that's exactly what their job is. It, without begging the crowd. I mean, he's not begging the crowd. He's not trying to do something real over the top. He's just doing enough just to get under their skin, and that's what he's I mean, did Brian Lee get a reaction? Uh, Maybe a, a snore or a... A fart from the old lady. Yeah, a fart, that's snore, that's fart. That's why yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing. I mean there there's some good there's some good good wrestlers in this this territory, and I don't know Brian Lee's not one of them. Sorry. And well, we can't. Well, the, and there'll be more. Why do you bring him up again, Andy? Just I so, forgot about well, it. You have to. <laughs> uh, Shit. So. Buddy Landell in this match before it's over. There's a, a spa where he's got um, he's got Riggins right at the ropes in a uh, abdominal stretch, and he keeps grabbing the ropes just because he's an ass. Not and every time the referee looks away, he grabs for leverage um, on the arm bar, just to just to twist at the fans a little bit and. Uh, he wins the match with his corkscrew elbow and a figure four. So, Buddy Landell, solid first match in Ope Smoky Mountain. He's at the desk. He pumps himself. He's really just pimping himself. He he says Riggin said something about his mama, so he went back out and stomped him a little bit more. Now, that's just Buddy Landell right there, man. He's a, Riggin said something about his mama, so he just goes out there and whips his ass a little bit more. <laughs> it's just. You can't not you can't not love Buddy Landale. It's it's really hard not to like the guy. Yeah, I like him. All right, so match number four. This will be the uh, main event this week, and it's Dixie Dynamite against Carl Styles. Backney. Yeah, Mister Backney, Carl Styles. Holy God Almighty! Good Lord. Uh, the, the the level of back acne that Styles has here is. Uh, it's 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 Gene Snitsky on steroids. It's Gene Snitsky's back acne on steroids. Gene Snitsky, <laughs> wow, holy! Oh, so I, yes, I, that it, oh he got body slammed and they was pus that flew out in the second row. I swear you can see it in slow motion. Whew. Oh yeah, so we no we, pun I intended. I don't know where. The, where poor Mr. Styles has been, but I can tell you that wherever he was at, they weren't delivering delivering his supplementation to him because Styles legit has lost twenty pounds of muscle from the first episode when he debuted as oh, a I say scorpion. Now, and you got to remember that pilot taping of Smoky Mountain had occurred like in October of. Uh, 1991 and we're you know several months later and he just deflated i don't know if he 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 was off the juice at this point or he was off and then just got back on because he's got the back acne going real bad and uh but the match itself despite carl and his issues wasn't bad um 
Scott Armstrong's a good worker. I mean, he's one of the Armstrongs. He's going to be good. If you just get a smidge of Brad Armstrong and Bob Armstrong mixed in, you're you're going to be okay. And Dixie Dynamite, this he's a good character for that time period. We've discussed that before, but it wasn't a great main event, but it, it was okay overall. Uh, Carl Styles toward the end of the match, he power slams Dixie. Dutch comes up on the apron and calls him over. He, he tells him something and uh, Styles turns around. Dutch jumps off the apron and when Ta- Styles turns around, he gets a super kick right in the face. <laughs> gets pinned by Dixie Dynamite. Dutch comes back to the desk and he, he don't have a clue what happened. He said, how did he lose? And he calls Styles a moron. He berates him. He calls him stupid. He calls him dumb. I think we can see where this is probably headed. So the match itself wasn't nothing to write home about. Good angle. And it's setting up a, a an angle for Styles to beat the shit out of Dutch Mantel, basically. And, and like we was talking about earlier, this is what is missing in today's wrestling. Everything is setting something up for the future. You know, this sets this up for the future. You know, there's a continuation. It's not, well, let's just throw them out there for the hell of it and see what happens. It's There's a plan in place that you can see. And you kind of see where it's going, and it makes you want to tune back in next week to see what happens. Oh, yeah. So, Justin, um, what do you think of this match? Yeah, I I can't agree more there, Andy, but... uh, uh, it, it was a okay match. I, I think the only thing that made it entertaining to me was the commentary of uh, uh, Dutch. It was so funny. He's like, I told him to do that. Told him not to. I don't know all that garbage he <laughs> yeah, did. Yeah, which was fun. It was. It was funny. Yeah. Anytime so, Styles does something right, Dutch told him to do it. Right. Anytime yeah, I did that. Happens, I told him. To, yeah. I, I didn't tell him to do that. <laughs> Yeah, right. So yeah, we Dutch Mantel, one of the better color commentators. No, oh, yeah, yeah. He he was. I loved him in modern day, uh, even today. Yeah, I don't know where I don't know know where he's at today, but quick witted, very uh, very funny. So we're yep. up, we're up here. This is that was the end of the uh, end of this show, and we're going to the end of the show awards. So. This week, uh, match of the week, it's got to be Orndorff and uh, Hector Guerrero. The match itself was good, but the angle behind the match was even better. So, the, the, the end was better. Yeah. When he's crack, cracking necks. That was the best part. Yeah, so that, that whole that whole deal gets uh, match of the week. Uh, Soundbite of the week, um, I or it, that's tough. Um, we'll let Andy break the tie. I've got Orndorff okay. blasting Hector Guerrero with the border comment. I know that you've got the Nitro Danny Davis exploding Bob Cottle comment. Andy, uh, what do you got? I, I've got to go with the blasting Hector about the border guard. I mean, even even then, that was a little bit you know on edge. And if they was to try that now, the shoot, they'd be so many organizations setting up protest. It wouldn't be funny. Oh yeah. So okay. So there we got the sound by the week. Fashion statement. I still like the chat. I, I still like the explosion on the chin. But I do too. Right. And oh, I like, yeah. I hate to pick one, but dang on that. <laughs> they're they're both so, up there. 
Yeah, yeah, we'll call it sure. a tie. Well, yeah, that, that would be. <laughs> yeah, that would that's be true. Fashion statement of the week. I've got Ron Wright's shirt with the, the linoleum print across the. We'll, I'll, we'll, we'll post a picture on PWO. Yeah. You, it, it reminds me of a bowling shirt I once had. <laughs> Why does that not surprise me? Fan of the week. It's, uh, it's the same yokel from the last show. Uh, different pose. Wife still wants to kill him. We'll post a picture of that also. Um, they're, they're, probably, they're probably somewhere on uh, Unsolved Mysteries or something like that. Uh, to catch a predator? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Right there with the Fultons. <laughs> he's, he's, he's next door neighbors to Jackie. Hey, Jackie. All right, so interview of the week, uh, to, to no, not even close. Paul Orndorff. Just, well, when, he's, when he did the fuck you spit. Uh, that that was yeah. I mean, either one of them. You you could yeah. go with the Orndorff interview where he basically goes ballistic and turns heel, or the next week when he's just like whatever. Either one. Orndorff is he's the star of the week. It, it's not even close. And normally I would have picked Buddy Landell as like just performer of the week or Rip Rogers, but Orndorff stole the show this uh, this go around. Okay. No doubt about it. All right, so now, boys, we are 12 episodes in to Smoky Mountain. We got 13 and 14 coming next week. Um, Justin, where are you at with Smoky Mountain now? I know that we had a little bit of a layoff, so kind of got a little fuzzy there probably, but now we're back into the swing of things. Looks like uh, it's moving in a good direction headed toward the tournament. Yeah, yeah, I, I, love, I love where it's going now. Uh Episode nine and ten were boring and stuff like that, but you know we we got a lot of good characters. We got Orndorff, uh, Dirty White Boy. Well, hell, even even uh, Rip Rogers who, who he loses every time, but you know it, it's a good promotion so far. So yeah, Andy. I like it. I, I like it. Good deal. Andy Waddell, what uh, where where are you at with your Smoky Mountain uh, watching right now? What are you, what are you thinking? Oh, I'm loving it because it's building up toward the you know the Volunteer Slam and the, there's going to be more feuds and the action will start picking up and I, I'm really looking forward to the next few episodes. Yeah, I mean it's uh, going to be building momentum all the way up to the Volunteer Slam. I would I would think I I I can't remember them off the top of my head until I watch them. I remember after I see something that like what we what we witnessed, but most of the time it kind of gets scattered a little bit for me. So I really enjoy watching these shows chronologically and and picking out pieces that I wouldn't have remembered no way uh, years ago because Smoky Mountain is probably one of the best episodic weekly TV shows ever for wrestling. They really put on a good put on a good show so we're and we're going to be with you through the duration we're going to go all the way through the end of 1995 it may take us three or four more years to get there but by god we're going to be on the train to getting through all these smoky mountain episodes and uh, stick with us right here and uh all of our shows are uploaded to soundcloud you'll know where that's at uh put the topic in the pro wrestling only message boards 
and you, I'm sure people are seeing it there, and we've got some uh, pretty exciting news coming around the corner here in the next, oh, maybe ready to announce next week. Big things for Fire in the Mountains, boys. we got big things coming, and uh, we appreciate everybody listening to the show. Uh, final thoughts tonight, Andy. What uh, Final thoughts on the way out? Uh, just my final thought is, like you said earlier, you know, I, I watched these when I was growing up, and but at the time I was probably 11, 12, and now I get to watch it as an adult, and I catch more of the nuances, and it's like reliving the whole experience again, and I'm loving it. Justin Edgel, uh, any thoughts on the way out tonight? It's a lot of fun uh, watching this stuff. Um, obviously, how many outsiders looking in, so... It, it, it's neat to see what they got so on Smoky Mountain Wrestling. So yeah, and so I got, as the outsider looking in, it's always cool for me and Andy and others sure. that's listening to this show to catch an opinion of somebody that never saw it because you're catching it all organically. We've saw it before yep. and we've kind of forgot some of it, but we at least sort of kind of know where a lot of it's going, <coughs> and you're just catching it right on the front end on the fly which is really cool so which is almost better yeah it is but at the yeah. same time i mean there's no way i would have remembered some of this some of these things that we've went through i, I probably i would have, i remembered the paul orndorff hill turn and i remembered how he went crazy but i, I didn't remember the hector guerrero blast i didn't remember terry gordy <laughs> screaming right. from the top of Freebird. Like, like all the details <laughs> like all the details yeah right, right. so it's really Really cool to go through these uh, episodes two at a time for this uh, for this show. So, with that, we will be out for this week and look for another episode next week as we will try to have these uploaded on Saturday mornings, uh, Eastern Standard Time, for the United States. So, for Justin Edgel and Annie Waddell, this is Ricky Wittenberg and another Fire in the Mountains in the books. <laughs>